We are joined on the morning brief by former federal cabinet minister, Lisa Raitt. What a pleasure. Good morning. Good morning. And I was just looking in my closet and said, hey, I can wear a pink suit today. Last time. There you go. Yeah. Well, I put all of my light stuff down in the basement. Now I'm going to, you know, I'm going to have to go find it again, I guess. Um, I want to start with housing because I know that um, this is something that is close to your heart. And as a matter of fact, you're part of a, a, I don't know if it's a committee or commission or whatever, but a group of people who are working on housing. Olivia Chow's housing plan kind of comes out of the blue. I mean, I didn't know she was this ambitious. 36 million, 65,000 homes, the city, the state actually doing the building in some cases. Yeah, you know, it, this it's on a smaller scale. Prince Edward Island's actually doing exactly the same thing because they're feeling the same kind of pressures. Um, but what I found interesting about it, I mean, it's good for her to put it on the table. It's a scale issue, 65,000 homes. $30 billion. That's a lot of money. That's a lot of homes, homes that give people hope and money that gives people ulcers, essentially, right? But it's 460000 a home, which is exactly what tenders are showing across the country. It costs to build an affordable house. So the number's not wrong. Like, they're not lying about it. That's what how much you'd end up spending. But you, everyone's going to point out the same things, which is access to labor, the ability to get it done on time and on budget. I mean, all kinds of things that we have to recognize and understand are going to be important as this moves along. I hope she gets some extra money to do it. I don't know if she'll get 65,000 homes or, or doors to be opened. However, it's something that's needed for sure. And thank you for mentioning the task force, John, because our focus is great. You're going to spend, you're going to build 65,000 homes. Like, how are you going to do that without blowing the GHG emission budget? How are you going to do it to make sure that you're not adding to the carbon footprint that we're all trying desperately to take down? What do you make, though, of the idea of the state doing the building? I mean, is that going to distort the market, first of all? And uh, can we ever trust the state to get something done on budget? Well, it's not like they're going to, I mean, are they going to be the general contractor? I certainly hope not. That's going to be a disaster. I, I mean, you're going to have to have professionals to to go in and build it. I know that they say they don't want pro- private sector involved, but private sector is going to build it. They may not be investing in it, but certainly you're going to hire a private sector. It's going to be a competitive tender and the bids are going to come on based upon how much labor is available. What's the scarcity on it? Who else is building? We've got massive projects that are being built around Toronto. You just have to drive on the streets to see that. And as a result, there's going to be a scarcity of labor and the cost may very well go up. So it's no, there's no magic in the state saying that they're going to do it. You still have to go through sourced labor. Uh, Mideast tensions rippling into Toronto with uh, hate crimes. Some pretty alarming stuff. Uh, mezuzahs being vandalized, yeah. people banging on doors and yelling at people. Uh, Muslims also saying that they're being harassed in the streets. It's, uh, it's yeah. a sad situation. It is. It's a reaction to something that's happening, not here in Canada, but uh, across the other side of the world, which is important to people here. And I mean, we all agree that October 7th, well, I hope we all agree that October 7th was a horrific attack on Israel and on, on innocent civilians. And what's happening now in terms of retaliation is fraught with complications, but people do say, and I do believe, that Israel has the right to defend itself within international law. And there's the question, right? Is, is what they're doing, is it too much? Is it is it, is it it proper? Is it fair? Um, so people want to vocalize their protest to whatever's happening. That's okay. We all agree that protest is okay. Targeting and trying to interfere with people's lives because they're Jewish or because they're Muslim, 
not cool. I mean, I, I don't, it's, it's, you know, it seems so trite for me to say not cool, but somebody somewhere has to stand up very, very strongly and just say, look, this is not acceptable. And we will punish anyone who does this to the greatest extent of the law and just kind of set that tone. Protest, fine. Individual harassment, violence, threats, not fine at all. Yeah, there's nothing new under the sun because people used to yell at each other in the streets in the past over international disputes. But I, I, I agree with you, Lisa, that there is sort of an increased entitlement. And I think that uh, that is informed by social media, that people somehow feel they can take some strident opinion and yell at a stranger. Indeed. Um, and if you don't have politicians being uh, you know, unequivocal on how they feel about it, coming together, even though there's a difference of opinion on things, you kind of feed the fire of people feeling that they're justified in taking things to the next level. I mean, the language around the fact um, that the, the language around this notion that because of what has happened in Palestine for the last 75 years, that whatever Hamas did is justified, that is that must be met face on and completely refuted because that cannot be a starting point for these protests. You work in banking, so you probably have your eyes on the central bank today. They are going to be announcing the central bank rate. My anticipation, like I think 27 out of 32 economists who were interviewed, is that they'll hold the line. But we're in a dicey situation right now because it's the telemetry is mysterious, to say the least. And it's a good way of putting it. And I mean, the the impact of a rate increase, you feel it down the road. You don't feel it immediately, right? You turn the thermostat, it doesn't kick in right away. You have to wait a little bit of time. So, you know, the Bank of Canada has to do a bit of a guessing game as to what's going on with the data that they currently have. On a same topic, but a little bit different for me, I saw a headline yesterday where the head of the Bank of Canada was pushing back and saying, you know, um, interference with the Bank of Canada takes away from its from its independence. Okay, my my initial gut reaction was, don't take the bait, Tiff. Don't take the yeah. bait. Yeah. Don't argue about this stuff. Don't get into the politics. Do your job. Do your gig. A new government may change you or may not change you. Who the heck knows? But don't don't take the bait because that's what people want you to do. Well, and you're right. It's it's kind of like the way people will take opinions on talk radio about a, a trial that is happening in real time. And it's not like the judge is going to go, oh, now I'm under pressure. Bingo. Okay. Exactly. What do you make of this? I find this to be a very compelling debate. Um, child sexual abuse images that are generated by AI. So there's no actual victim. Now, anybody who produces or consumes this stuff is still sick to the bone. But, you know, how does it how do we tackle it in terms of, you know, prosecution? Uh, I, well, I'm going to get a lot of hate mail on this. Um, whoever is making these AI devices or programs or software that allows this to be a feature, uh, they should be the ones that are held responsible because you're just putting the tools in into somebody else's hands to do these kinds of things. And it does have a long-term impact and a long-term effect on society. I mean, access to these kinds of images is just, it's not access. It's not acceptable in my, in my opinion. And it's just feeding a fire that you, you just want to deprive of all oxygen. So go back to the people who are developing these AI engines and just ask them or tell them or make them put in the changes that are needed to prohibit and deter people from utilizing their AI to do this kind of thing. Other software platforms have been able to do it. And then secondly, I mean, 
you know, the the European Union, um, as was noted in the article you sent me, is wondering whether or not they're going to just monitor people's emails and people's, um, you know, individual kind of trans transmissions to to look for these kinds of things. That doesn't sit well with me. I don't like the monitoring of our individual kind of uh, uh, life, but I don't have a problem with telling software manufacturers to to not put this in to make it something you're not allowed to do. Just like if you try to type a an, an expletive, a four-letter word into your Twitter, you end up getting duck. Okay. Yeah, well, that's happened to me, actually. Uh, <laughs> thanks a lot for this. You bet. Uh, Lisa Raitt, former federal cabinet minister on the morning brief.